and praise again. Thank the Lord this morning for the praise and worship this morning. We thank him. Hallelujah. We thank him for the callers. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand. Amen. We thank him. Amen. Amen. Elder Mac and brother over here. Amen. We thank him. We get you to stand. Let's prepare ourselves. Amen. To be fed with the word. We thank the Lord this morning. Before I bring out our, our pastor, keep in mind those that are in New Orleans are going through. Those may be traveling on the highways, trying to get away from the storm. And also those that are going through the pandemic. So much going on. But we ask the Lord, we know our Lord is able. Amen. So we ask right now in Jesus' name for the Lord to bless us this morning. Uh, everyone know our pastor this morning and heard him. He's a, a fabulous speaker, preacher, and you name it, teacher. And he ready to, he gonna come in and bless us this morning, amen. So let's be on one accord with one thing in mind, to be blessed of the Lord. So I introduce you and present to some, Pastor Jerry C. Wright, amen. Thanks. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Amen. If you will, join with me in a quick word of prayer. Father God, we come before you now. And as always, Lord, I just uh, pause for a moment to recognize you as being high and lifted up. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we, we just worship you simply because of who you are. You're so wonderful and gracious and kind to us. Lord, throughout the week, Lord, I just recall the many blessings, Lord, that you've bestowed upon me alone. And then how you looked over my family, Lord, and I just know that others have a similar testimony on today. And Father, we just ask you right now, Lord, to once again be in the midst of your people. Show yourself strong, Lord. Let them hear from you and not me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles or your tablets, I ask that you turn to Acts, the chapter, verses 6 through 21. And, and let me say this while you guys are turning and flipping. If I had my way, you all would have, like, Bibles with, with a notepad and pen. Just saying. But since you have tablets, <laughs> I ask that you turn to X, 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 A C T S, X, the fourth chapter, verses six through 21. I'll start reading. I'm reading from the NASB, starting with verse six. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and, and Alexander, all who were of high priestly descent. <clears throat> when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, by which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach to all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them. On account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. Wow, you may be seated. Hey man, if I had to title, and I did, I titled this uh, message on today, and I titled it because I saw this on a sign somewhere. When life gives lemons, plant the seeds. <laughs> when life give lemons, gives lemons, plant the seed. Amen. Uh, during our college years at uh, Wayne State University, uh, Wayne State's in here today. Wayne State, Wayne State, Wayne State. Yeah, yeah. During uh, my college years, our college years at Wayne State University, uh, there was one day that Keith uh, was on campus alone. He was by himself. I wasn't on campus that day. 
And uh, on that day, he reports that he experienced a life-changing moment. He said it was a life-changing moment. But when he reported it, it wasn't only life-changing for him. It was also life-changing for me as well. See, during college years, you, you have to understand, uh, you know, on campus or, or commuting or whatever, you, you got life-altering decisions to make. Amen? To, to pass up on a real lit party or not. To, to say no to some really good drugs or not, right? Uh, to, to, to partake in a keg of beer, or not, right? Or to go to someone's dorm, or not. And last, to, to, to listen to all the things that are anti-God coming from students as well as professors at times, or not. We faced all those things, right, and all those challenges. And, and, but on that day, Keith said that he was walking to or from class. And when he arrived at the heart of the campus, there stood a dude <laughs> on a little platform. And he was proclaiming the gospel. He was standing there in the middle of the campus proclaiming the gospel. And folks stopped to, to, to make fun of him, to, to like uh, prod him and, and, and try to jeer him on to, to, to do something negative. But there came one crucial moment, Keith said. And this crucial moment, Keith said that he looked and he said, who will stand with me for Christ? And Keith said he thought about it. <laughs> but then he, he said, if this guy can stand for Christ, in the midst of all this ridicule, so can I. And so Keith said that he went up and he stood with him as all the negative stuff was going on. You know, I, I would like to think that, that I would have done the same. Amen. And, and that was the story that came to mind as I read today's passage. Because the world is basically unfriendly to Christian doctrine and belief. This is coming from the Sunday school material. It, it said that the world is basically unfriendly to Christian doctrine and belief. Boldness is needed to witness. You hear that? Because the world is basically unfriendly to Christian doctrine and belief, boldness is needed to witness. See, some of us have tried to go the path of least resistance and become a secret agent for Jesus, right? You, you, you don't want it quite known that you 
are with Christ. So you just look at someone and you just say, <clears throat> code word, crucified. And hopefully they can pick up on it. <clears throat> code word, crucified. And in response, hopefully they will say, <clears throat> with Christ. Oh, okay, you're good. How you doing? Right? And then all of a sudden, you can reveal that you stand with Christ. But God has a way <laughs> of calling. Amen. Just like he did with Peter. Remember, Peter followed Christ, and he just wanted to be nosy to see what happened to Christ on that fateful night. And he was warming himself by the enemy's fire. And then a young lady looked at him and said, you look familiar. Were, were you with, uh, were you, uh, were you with him? No. I don't even know him. Right. And then all of a sudden she didn't give it up. You look familiar, right? You sure you weren't with him? And then somebody noticed how he spoke, right? And they saw that little, like, like that Galilean accent there. And, and, and he, he, they said he went away just, some say he went away just cursing, right? No, I don't know him. I don't know him. God has a way of, 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 of just revealing you and putting you in situations where you have to say, I stand with Christ. I stand with Christ. Amen. So today's lesson, the aim of today's lesson is to remember that although the world may come against us for serving Christ, speaking boldly about salvation is essential. It's essential. Amen. So through, through Peter and John, we'll learn that trials sometimes provides opportunities for you to share your testimony. And that testimony is about how you will continue to trust in God. Trials, testimony, trust. Trial, testimony, and trust. Let's, let's see what the trials are about today. Let's see how this scripture uh, today tells us about that. So today's lesson or scripture text begins really in Acts, the third chapter, right? Peter and John were walking to prayer service, and, and on their way going across the temple campus, they came across um, by the gate of beautiful they came across a man that was crippled from birth, amen? And he was begging for money, begging for money. And when Peter responded to him, it goes to say in the third chapter, verses four through seven, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the 
right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. A miracle. He was asking for money, but he ended up getting a better blessing. Amen. But it didn't stop there. Peter then preached in prompto. He preached. He said, I got a sermon right, right here, right? And he began to preach to the crowd, and he, and he led thousands to Christ. And this all occurred shortly after. This incident occurred shortly after Christ's ascension. So this was happening like almost in rapid fire. But some religious leaders, they saw what was going on. And they had Peter and John thrown in jail overnight. If you read that third chapter, they had them thrown in jail overnight. And they threw them in jail overnight because they were waiting until the other part of the crew came so they can all attack them, right? All get them at the same time. So they ended up waiting till the Sanhedrin came the Sanhedrin. We'll talk about them a bit more. So today's lesson tells us that Annas, if you look at that sixth verse once again, Annas and Caiaphas was there among others. These are the same fellas that had done away with Jesus, right? And they were all part of the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, the 70 plus one, some of the writers call them. They, they were uh, equivalent to the Supreme Court for the Jewish community. And it was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, right? And some of them, some of these Pharisees and Sadducees, if you read, they were actually scribes as well, scribes meaning lawyers of the day. So they were well-versed with the scripture and the law, right? And, and their tactic towards Peter and John, their tactic was to, to, to intimidate them. So they came full force, and, and they said that they kind of formed somewhat of a semicircle around Peter and John, right? Because it was all about intimidation, intimidation, right? And they were going to, like, like try to make Peter and John back down based on the fear that they would provoke in them. And they knew that they were dealing with some uneducated, untrained. If you read the, um, the King James Version, it was a bit more poignant. It said they were ignorant. <laughs> they were ignorant, right? So uneducated and trained men that they approached and they just knew that they probably would back down. But he, here's the kind of like a principle that we see within that scripture, that, that never think that you are too slow, too uneducated for God to use. Amen? Never think that God can use you. I'm reminded of Numbers, the 22nd chapter, verses 27 through 28. It said, and this is a, it was a real funny story. It says, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry at the donkey with his stick. 
And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, man, whatever a donkey does, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? How many know that if the Lord can use a donkey, <laughs> he can use you too? Amen. So, so there's no excuse about educational equivalence or anything else. God can anoint your mouth and he can use you. Amen. And he used Peter and he used John. And when they, the verse 7 says, when they had placed them in the center they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Remember, it was about the art of intimidation, right? By what power or in what name have you done this? In other words, when I read in the expositor, it says, they, they asked, who gave you permission to heal? Did we give you permission to heal somebody on today? Did we? Right? <laughs> Peter and John were, as I said, uneducated men, but they found themselves in an angry crowd of unyielding opponents. And we can find ourselves in that same place today. Right? In the midst of an angry crowd of unyielding opponents, right? But while that Sanhedrin was conducting a court trial, God had a different trial in mind, right? See, because they were conducting a court trial, but trials for us, for believers, those are moments and opportunities for God to refine us. And God was simply using this moment to refine Peter and John. Let them go through a few things. They call it like going through the fire. And when you go through the fire, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to purify you. Get rid of all that stuff you didn't need in the first place. So they were going through a fiery trial at this time. Amen. Because, see, those trials were simply something God was using to prepare them to do even better things. Amen? And that's what God does for us as well. So those trials that you are going through, hey, don't, 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 don't just complain about them. Don't just go through them. Grow through them. Amen? Grow through them. God is using them to refine you, and he's going to use you for better things things. Amen? That their trials, they're there to make us stronger. Amen? So when John uh, the Baptist, I, I was reading that lesson as well, and when John the Baptist was in prison, wondering if Jesus was going to break him out, right? And when he saw that Jesus wasn't coming, he began to doubt, right? He began to doubt, and, and, and he doubted to the point where a couple of his followers, he said, hey, hey, I need you guys to go and ask Jesus a question. Ask him, are you the one or should we look for another? Right? And we all have moments of doubts, right? 
We all have moments of doubt. Amen. And, and John had his moment of doubt where he said, man, I, he's not breaking me out. I'm in this jail for about a year or more, and he's not coming. And now I got word that they might even try to kill me. Hey, are you the one or should we look for another? And it's interesting that Jesus did not answer John directly. He didn't come and just say, tell him I am. No, no, no. He, he answered him indirectly. He was like, let the evidence speak for itself, right? And then in Matthews, the 11th chapter, verses 4 through 6, he was showing that the evidence speaks for itself. Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. And the lepers are cleansed, and the and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Let the evidence speak for itself. And so when we are going through our trials, now God doesn't come all of a sudden in, a, in an epiphany and, and in some type of vision and you're there complaining, Lord, I'm going, my trials are worse than Job's. And Lord, are you there? Are you there? And then poof, he comes and he says, Lo, my child, I'm with you always. No, no. He says, let the evidence speak for itself. Did you wake up this morning, right? Did you wake up this morning? Uh, and, and by the way, did you, you woke up from your bed in your home, right? So you have shelter, right? And then you have clothing after the water actually worked when you <laughs> when you turn on it for a shower, right, to, to cleanse yourself, right? And then all of a sudden, it, it let the evidence speak for itself because all of a sudden you sat down and you may have eaten a little bit before you came. So food, shelter, right, clothing, right? And then all of a sudden you had the nerves to go in a car and put the key in it or push the button and, and, and as if it would actually start. And it did. It actually started because it had gas and it let the evidence speak for itself. And then you came here and, and, and you had so many accidents along the way, right? No, no, no. You were safely transported here by the hands of God, transporting you from one place to another. Let the evidence speak for itself. When you're going through trials, God is good. Right in the background, you see that God is good constantly. He's blessing you. He's looking over you. He is overseeing your life. And though you may go through rough patches, it's all right. Because see, those are moments where he's refining you. He's refining you, getting rid of all that stuff that's not like him so that he can use you for greater things, for greater things. Amen. So secondly, Peter was in the midst of a trial, but he, 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 he used the trial for an opportunity to give his testimony as we should. So I, I imagine Peter said to himself, <clears throat> you know, Last time at your house, Annas, I messed up. I did not stand for Christ. 
Matter of fact, when, uh, when, when, when that rooster crowed three times, I got to cursing and everything else, denying Christ. But I'm not going to mess up this time. I'm not going to mess up this time. God has given me a second chance to stand for him. And this time, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to fail this time. You asked for it. Now you're going to get it, right? Annas and, and Caiaphas, now you're going to get it. You asked for it, right? Y'all got to get it really, really good right now, right? So from verses 8 through 12, there are three strong points that Peter expresses. One, he says, you all are sitting there as if you're innocent, but you're not. But you're not. You had a hand in crucifying Christ. So I'm letting you know that. So since you want an answer, that's answer one. And by the way, you all got us here and drug us here in front of you all and having a trial because we did something good? Really? Really? I'm standing here and we are here before you all because of a good deed? Really? Come on, fellas. Come on. But, but you did crucify Christ. You're not innocent. And my second point, Peter said, is that although Jesus was dead, you thought he was dead and gone. Well, I got news for you. God raised him from the dead. He didn't stay dead. So you thought that you got rid of him. No, no, you didn't. You didn't. He rose from the dead. He is alive and well. I saw him, by the way. Right. And then here's the third point. The third point that he expressed through verses 8 through 12 is that the same Jesus that you leaders rejected is the chief cornerstone, meaning that he is the only way to God, relationship with God. Salvation is through Christ alone. So take that. The Holy Spirit words, authority, and power. He spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's another principle. Your words will have the same power and the same effect, the same authority if you let God use you. If you let God use you, if you allow yourself to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not your egos and everything else, and let the Lord use you, and he will speak through you as well. Amen? That's, 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 that's the principle, because in, in, in Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 11 through 12, he says this, when they bring you before, this is Jesus talking, when they bring you before the, the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how and or, or what you are to speak in your defense, or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He's saying that don't worry about pressure moments. I will give you what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say. That's his promise. That's what he said will happen, and we ought to believe that it will, right? The Holy Spirit gave them what to say, and he will do the same for us. And God fixed it where the pressure wasn't on Peter and John. He did. The pressure was on the Sanhedrin. 
because listen to verses 13 and 14. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, all of a sudden intimidation wasn't working, right? They, they, they kind of put a semicircle around Peter and John and said, who told you to do what you did? Because we didn't, right? And, and then all of a sudden they thought that Peter and John would cower, but Peter came back striking. And all of a sudden in verse 13, it says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to realize them as having been with Jesus. You hear that? Having been with Jesus and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. God makes it comical when you stand against him. This is just a hilarious scene to me. Just imagine they're puffing their chest out, trying to scare and put fear into somebody. And then God empowers those very same people to strike back with authority and power. And then all of a sudden they're stuck. They're stuck there like scratching their heads, right? And remember in verse 14, they say, and seeing the man, they, meaning this, the Sanhedrin, they saw the man who had been healed standing with them. They had nothing to say because they saw the evidence of the miracle standing right by Peter and John. And I can imagine that brother who was crippled all his life just standing there and he was just moving his legs for no reason. Man, they work. <laughs> they work. <laughs> They work. They work. Look. Look. <laughs> they work. They work. And then all of a sudden, the Sanhedrin is there just looking. And he, they're just looking. And they say, man, we can't deny that. And he's just like, they work. They work. And Peter and John is saying, look, this is what you guys are giving us trouble for. He was crippled. And now look at him. And he says, yeah, look at me. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Right? And they had nothing to say. They had nothing to say other than uh, Peter and John. You guys go in the other room while we talk about it. And so they dismiss them and then they huddle up and say, fellas, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this, right? And, and, and then all of a sudden, Caiaphas, right, who planned the, the, the execution or crucifixion of, of Christ, right, he, he, he was in the midst as well. And, and being a leader, they were kind of like looking at him and, and they was like, what are we going to do about these fellas? And they thought and they thought. And, 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 and the only thing they came up with is, we'll threaten them. We're going to threaten them. We're going to actually threaten them. We're going to say, if you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to beat you up. And we're going to beat you up some more. Now, the expositor said, when that ideal was expressed, somebody in that Sanhedrin said, really? <laughs> That's all we got? Did you just hear how he talked to us? And we're just going to go out there and say, don't do it no more? That's the best you could come up with? Yeah, that's the best I got, right? 
That's the best I got. And that's what your testimony does. When you turn a trial into an opportunity to express your testimony and belief in Jesus, all of a sudden the enemy looks foolish. The enemy looks foolish, right? And that's what happens when you stand on the promises of God, right? And you use that opportunity. You use the trial as an opportunity to express your belief in Christ, to let everybody know, right, without shame, that I stand for Christ. I stand with Christ. And, 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 and the last one is trust, the trust. After the trial that gives an opportunity to, for you to give your testimony, to share and proclaim you believe in Christ, you're going to also let them know that you will keep trusting him, right? But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. So you guys are telling us, right, to be quiet and not do what God tells us to do, right? And to do what you say to do rather than what God tells us to do. If that's right, you guys got enough sense. I know I'm uneducated, but you guys are supposed to be the educated ones. And if that's right, uh, you be the judge of it. But let me tell you, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. I'm going to continue on, Peter said, talking about what God has done for me, talking about how I trust him, talking about how I believe in him. I saw him. I got so much. I mean, what can you guys do to me? I got so much faith in him. Let me tell you why I can stand before you so boldly today. When you guys crucified him, I saw him after that. And he promised me the same. So if you call yourselves doing what, what, what you did to him, to me, I'm going to be okay because he's going to raise me as well. And it gives me confidence and it gives me boldness to tell you all that not only am I going to like not stop, but I'm going to keep trusting and I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep holding on to him no matter what you say, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, I am going to trust and obey. And we should do the same. We should do the same. We, we should trust him like Peter and John trusted him, right? We, we, we should trust him like Esther trusted him. When Esther said, if I perish, I perish, right? We, we should trust him like Job because when money was low and Friends were acting silly, and even when his family was uh, talking crazy, what did Job say? Job said, you know what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. My trust is in him. It's in him. No matter what comes, I am going to tie a knot at the end of the rope, and I'm going to keep holding on because he's my answer. He's my solution. He is my way out. Amen? That's how we ought to do it, and that's how we ought to be. We ought to trust him, right? When we see that these trials are coming our way, when we see these trials coming our way, we should look at them as opportunities to share testimony, to share testimony. 
And by the way, look at the attitude uh, by which Peter and John presented the gospel, right? It, 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 they didn't go and, and, and was offensive, right? It, 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 they, they respected the positions of the, of the rulers. They even called them rulers, right, of the people. They respected. They were humble, right? They submitted to the authority that was in place, right? They didn't go up there and say, y'all dudes better get up off us. Y'all, you better get out my face up there telling me what I can't do. I see, uh-uh. And that's not how we ought to do it. That's not, that's not representing Christ when somebody says, who are you? What are you doing here? And what? And then all of a sudden, oh, you snap. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Who? Huh? Huh? Imagine somebody trying to represent Christ in this posture. What? What? Don't you know Jesus saves? That don't go with it, does it? Don't you know God loves you and so do I? Pop. No, it doesn't go that way, right? We need to be examples. We need to be examples. And just like Peter and John showed us, right? They show us that we need to respect authority as well. There's a way to do it. See, sometimes you can do the right thing the wrong way. Amen? Sometimes you can do the right thing the wrong way. We want to do the right thing the right way. Amen? So let's use these trials as opportunities to express and share our testimonies. And when we do share our testimony, the underlying truth of it will be, yet will I trust no matter what comes my way, I will not let go of his hand. I will not let go of his hand. Amen? And here is a wonderful opportunity today to have that type of relationship with Christ, right? Where, where through your trials and through your suffering, he will be there and he will comfort you all through it all. It's not saying that life will be easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you on the fact that, hey, everything is going to be all right as soon as you believe in Christ. No, I'm not. Like I said, we will have opposition. We have folks. We will have folks. If you stand on the Christian principles, you will have opposition, period. You know, in Peter, it says those who live godly shall <laughs> suffer persecution, Right? shall suffer persecution. But see, if you're not suffering persecution, you got to go back to the early part of that, <laughs> early part of that scripture, those who live godly. So you got to ask yourself, are you living godly? Because it says those who live godly shall suffer persecution. And I now leave this with you. And this was a powerful thought uh, to me. I was listening to John MacArthur, and he said something that was really interesting. He says, although today we are not persecuted by, you know, our heads getting chopped off and, and all of these other violent things, he says, the way Satan persecutes us today is through our egos. He gets us through our egos. And, and he gave an example of, like, 
like like you don't want to be like like the oddball out. You don't want to be the weirdo, right? You don't want to be the weirdo. You don't want to set yourself up as this odd, crazy, highly religious weirdo over there in the corner. No, you, you want to like, you know, go along and tag along because you don't want to be like an outlier, right? You, you want to always be in the company. And that's how Satan gets us today. He, he shuts us up because he doesn't want us to be, you know, he doesn't want us to proclaim Christ. And then all of a sudden he puts this inward pressure on us where we, we don't want to be the weirdo, right? But like I told you last week, God is in the business of turning weirdos and zeros into heroes, right? And that's his business. When, when it looks ignorant and dumb and crazy to the world, God says, I can use that. <laughs> I can use that because I'm going to flip it upside down. And those that you thought were despicable, those that you thought were base, I can use that. Because, see, I can't use you because you think you are all this. And as they said back in the day, and a bag of chips. See, I can't use that loftiness because, see, I'm not going to share my glory with anyone. So for those who understand that they need me, I'll flip it. And they will be on top. And those proud ones will be standing there trying to figure out an answer. And all they can say in response is, oh, we'll beat you up then. Use the opportunities of trials to express, express your testimony, to share your testimony. And that testimony should have a strong, strong underlining message that you will trust God. Opportunity today to have that type of relationship that you will trust God. And we ask that you do that on today. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment pass you by. I beg you, try Christ. Try Christ. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. Try Christ. We will have those available here, right here in this area, after dismissal, uh, to, to share and explain. If you're confused, uh, they can explain this gospel message to you even further. But I beg you, Choose ye this day who you will serve. And the question I always ask you, because here's the question with eternal implications. What will you do with Christ? What will you do with Christ? Amen. God bless you.